Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Lori McGraw. Today, I am speaking with Makayla Griggs. Makayla is the CEO of Southern California Reproductive Center. She's also a board director at Guardian Health Sciences. She has over 20 years of being an experienced executive at either pharmaceutical, health, and wellness, and beauty organizations. She, as a leader, has led many organizations to success, and today we're going to talk about her newest role at Southern California. California Reproductive Center. And Makayla, thank you so much for being on Inspiring Women. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm really honored to be here. Well, great. Well, Makayla, you, you know, 20 years and you've been in many different parts of the healthcare spectrum. I'd like to talk just right now, like what is your day-to-day? This is where we always start inspiring women for women like you, so accomplished. You know, what does today look like for you? Today is very different from yesterday and it'll be very different <laughs> from tomorrow. That That's kind of, I think, what most leaders would say. So um, as you mentioned, I am the CEO of Southern California Reproductive Center, which is a pretty large um, infertility clinic here in Southern California. We're um, a multi-centered clinic. So I actually have um, clinics outside of Beverly Hills. Our main headquarters is in Beverly Hills. And then we have centers that are also in Santa Barbara, Pasadena, and a couple of other cities here in the Southern California area. And it's it's amazing. Um, you know, I come in every day knowing that I am working with some of the best physicians that are um, in their industry and in their field and that we are helping um, people create the dream of having um, a family when they can't have a family. Um, so we do, you know, we're working on fertility pre- preservation for um, younger women, as well as infertility issues for um, couples that want to have a family that can't have a family, whether they are traditional couples, LGBTQ plus couples, and just about everything in between. So it's incredibly inspiring to come to work every day. Um, but my role is very much administrative. I am working and um, managing how the operations work. So it's very operational um, and allowing the physicians to have um, the freedom to do what they need to do to look after their patients. So a lot of what I do every day is thinking about how we operate in order to optimize patient safety, patient experience, in order to make sure the patients um, achieve their objectives, but also managing staff. Um, and making sure that we have the right staff and right staff infrastructure for the multi-center locations. Um, And in today's world with COVID and with so much nursing shortage, that can be really, really challenging. It's a high turnover of staff. There's, um, There's a lot of burnout. Um, our patient growth has been, you know, quite incredible and keeping up with that 
um, growth and still servicing at the highest quality standards um, is a day-to-day challenge. Um, I've got amazing management um, staff around me um, in the clinical. I've got a, a great director of nursing that is absolutely fabulous, but we also have an IVF lab. So we have lab people as well as clinical people. And we also have um, a surgery center. So making sure we have the right um, staff for each of those support functions or parts of our business and making sure the right staff and we're doing the right things. Um, We're here basically 24-7, 365 days um, a year. We're always open. Um, I think there's only four days a year that we're closed because you can't always um, know when a female cycle starts or ends. So we need to be there to um, capture the um, right time in that cycle in order to produce children. Um, It's a very hands-on organization. I actually come to the office um, just about every day. Um, So having the right sort of safety protocols um, and making sure that, you know, we're protecting ourselves, but still being in person and being able to see patients in person and also manage the increase in um, telemedicine is a very unique um, challenge. I've been here since the middle of 2020. So joined right in the heart of when the the middle of the pandemic and, you know, so Makayla, the, the, fertility space, you know, it seems to be somewhat exploding a bit right now. There are so many new innovations um, in that area, all different sides of fertility. But but I and I do want to talk more about that because um, in addition to leading the organization, you also have um, investors and that's just a, you know, a whole different level of, you know, how to operate at different levels of scale. You're bringing innovation to the organization. And I want to talk more about that, but I also want to talk about a bit of your background because before you did this, you've led many different organizations in the wellness, beauty, apparel, and health, different areas. So maybe if you could just give us some backdrop uh, before you were CEO of this particular organization, some of the steps along the way in your professional journey. Yeah, happy to. Um, I do have a slightly unusual and unconventional journey to get to where I am in um, the clinical practice world. So I'm not classically out of um, practice management. And this is actually the first service slash clinic that I've run. But you're right, I've run a lot of large businesses. I I actually started in the National Health Service in England um, and in clinical practice and always thought that I wanted to go into practice management of some sort and somebody gave me a very wise advice that I should probably experience business from the pharmaceutical side um, as they would be customers clients um, and there would be a very important symbiotic relationship so um, I thought I would join um, a pharmaceutical company for a very small amount of time my goal was six months to a year I joined a company called Bayer um, Small company, a very small company um, in the sales organization and very much found my home. And 20 years later, I was running their worldwide aspirin business for them. So I grew up in a lot of ways in a very big blue chip um, pharmaceutical company, German company um, that then got transferred to the States. So I started in sales, sales management, sales training, then moved into marketing to do um, marketing for, I actually 
switched a product um, over the counter from prescription in the UK and then followed that brand into the consumer um, division, which was which at that time was a fledgling um, division in the mid 90s. And then, you know, was um, earmarked to go onto um, a management track. And in these large companies, you often have to do an international assignment. Um, and I was rather cheeky and sort of was like, I don't want to do Europe. I, I had lived in Germany multiple times and felt that if um, the consumer products area was a big growth area that having experience in the United States would be um, a really good thing for me. And I was cheeky enough to actually make that suggestion. And um, the organization liked the business case I put forward. And I got the opportunity to interview in the States um, and was accepted. Needed to take a little step back um, from a grade standpoint. And um, but that was fine for me to get the experience and came out to the States and had a really great um, run at Bayer Healthcare. Um, you know, got promoted quite quickly um, to brand manager and then to a director of a business group, really reformulated and brought new strategies to the one a day brand, um, which helped that take a really different growth trajectory. And from there, they they promoted me to go on to their flagship business, um, Bayer Aspirin, at a local um, US level and then global level. And then through some business um, restaging that I recommended that um, job of um, moved back to Germany um, and I was moved into the um, diabetes um, organization, which was devices. And so that really rounded me out from having some pharmaceutical experience, some direct to consumer experience um, and the device um, part of the healthcare um, business. So well, was- it sounds like you've got your there's some purpose in some of these um, shifts. So purpose of having international experience, purpose in terms of, you know, seeing multiple sides of the business. I have to imagine, you know, running bare aspirin globally required a level of, you know, understanding safety protocols and things of that nature, but you use the word cheeky. So, so (laughs) I'm imagining that cheeky was important to you in some of these career progression steps. What does cheeky mean? What is it? What is, what's a cheeky story that you could share with us? So I think that for women, it's sometimes hard for us to raise our hand and to um so it it's you know it's a very english term meaning that you're basically asking or stepping out of the norm so you know i've experienced this in my career i've done it myself where you know i've it's the good girl syndrome work really hard make sure that you know i really perform and everyone will notice that i'm a good employee and good things will come to me well Every now and then you have to step outside of that box and maybe ask for what you think is right for you in your career. But it's a hard thing to do. And I think doing it in the right way and you know, I use that term cheeky, meaning that I have stepped outside of the box and asked for something. Um, But what I've learned is to ask for it in a such a way that it is about the good of the overall business versus just the good for me. 
Um, I really do love large thorny problems and I'm willing to volunteer to take on businesses that are either a little bit challenged or need a different perspective. And I would say that what I've learned along the way is to find the right way to say that I'm the right candidate for that role um, or to um, raise my hand to ask for something. So for example, that, that international assignment when people were indicating to me that I may have the potential to do more in the organization and being a large multinational, that an international assignment would be probably in the cards and would need to be considered. Um, I knew that I'm not great at languages. Um, and I also knew that the traditional way in Europe to get a European to have international um, experience was to stay within Europe and work in France or Germany or Spain, which is the large outside of the UK is the other large centers. They weren't going to be the best for me. And I was also in a business that I knew was really important to the organization, a business group that was important to the organization. And so it was very obvious to me that if Bayer Consumer Care in the UK really wanted to grow and be exponentially better than they needed to have employees that were learning from the best at consumer marketing and marketing that was relevant to the UK market. So it became a very easy dialogue to have with leadership at that time to say, I know you're asking me and you're suggesting that this should be in my future, but had we ever considered this path? Because this path would actually not only benefit me in my growth, as you've already articulated you want me to have, but it would benefit the organization better because the learnings of marketing for direct to consumer is a closer parallel from the UK to the US than it is to Germany because the regulatory environment is different in Germany. And, and you know, Makayla, I think that like that story is such a great one because I think you're right. And I hear from so many women about, you know, having the confidence to ask for it, but you're suggesting, you know, bringing, you know, prepared information and thoughtful discussion in terms of how that your ask is only in the better interest for the organization that you're with. But have you ever had the experience where you made the ask and it didn't go your way? Because another thing that I hear from so many women and have experienced myself is that sometimes those setbacks, they sort of like they, you get in your own way, they become like new barriers have you ever experienced you know where it didn't go the way you wanted to and then if so how did you overcome that yes i have experienced that i think um, we've all experienced it at some time and i think it's really important not to let it um uh, negatively affect you and for a while it does it you know you you get depressed you get sad um but trying to just pick yourself up and and uh make the best of it i think i think is one way of um trying to overcome so so the situation where that happened to me is um i really wanted to get um there was a vice president opportunity um for global aspirin um in the cardiovascular space global cardiovascular aspirin and um 
I really wanted the role and I had sort of indicated to my line management that I thought this would be a great opportunity for me. And I was having the conversations about how do I become candidate ready so I will be considered for it. And that, that's language I use a lot rather than, you know, you know, how do I get promoted? It's like, how do, do I just get ready? What's the skills that I need? Because it gives people an easier framework to talk to you about your development. And um, they hired somebody outside of the organization. And in fact, I was on the interview panel for that role. <laughs> um, and I didn't get the job. I wasn't interviewed for it even. They decided to hire from outside. And I was incredibly disappointed. But what I did is, um, you know, I should have raised my hand to the person that was the hiring manager and I didn't. I thought my management was going to help my, help me. So it was an error on my side a little bit. But the other thing I did is um, I was still on the international team as the US representative having to work with this new person that was hired. And I had actually had reservations about that person. Um, but what I did is I eventually went to the um, SVP, the hiring manager, and we were on um, an international um, retreat um, on this project. And I asked to have breakfast with that person. And I sat down with them and I said, you know, once I'd got over my own hurt, I, I just said, look, um, I just really wanna understand why I wasn't picked and what it was that you saw that meant that you needed to go outside of the organization versus pick somebody inside the organization. And I'm asking these questions because I wanna know how I can improve and um, do better. And the hiring manager had a very frank conversation with me and said, gave me some such valuable feedback at the time. Um, the feedback was, you know, you're a very collaborative um, person. And because of that, I don't have a clear understanding of what you bring to the table versus what your team brings to the table. Huh. That, well, that's, so, first of all, like it takes, it takes a bit of courage to have those direct conversations and ask for the hard um, feedback. And I have to say it obviously worked. I mean, today you're the CEO of Southern California Reproductive Center. So maybe let's turn a bit to, you know, this space today, because again, the fertility space, I don't know if, so I, I hear things, I read things about, you know, I don't know if fertility issues have always been this prevalent but there certainly is a lot of investment going on in this space. We're reading things about not enough babies, um, you know, in terms of just the population uh, that uh, that is happening. We're seeing um, fewer children being born. And I have to imagine that it's very rewarding to be helping um, people who really do want to have children to have that, um, to have that experience. So in your today role, being CEO of a large, and growing practice with lots of complexity of innovation, staffing, burnout, the things that you mentioned, as well as having um, having investors that you're working with. How do you balance all of these things? Where, where is sort of your true north in terms of what's important to you in your leadership role as CEO today? 
That's a great question um, because, you know, you're right. Um, the industry is exploding. And, and just for a little bit of background, some of the reason that it is exploding is because um, women are choosing to have their children at a later age. They're balancing a lot more of career opportunities with um, family obligations. And as you may be aware, your fertility um, ability um, declines quite significantly um, in your 30s. Um, you're getting closer to your perimenopause um, era. So, you know, if you haven't either saved your eggs at a younger age, which is a big growth area for fertility preservation, it's best to try and get your eggs saved in your um, 20s. The earlier they are, the healthier and the more, the better they are. Um, but if you've waited until you're in your mid 30s to decide to have your family, for whatever reasons, whether it's to do with your career, whether it's to do with per other personal situations, your um, fertility success is going to decline. And so therefore being able to help these often very high powered couples, um, or people that have just had to, you know, taken a long time to find the right partner for themselves um, or have wanted to establish um, themselves to be able to bring up their children in a more affluent environment. Um, and then they suddenly find, you know, they're trying for a year and they can't have children. So then they seek um, help. Um, so it's amazing to be able to do that. Um, but you're right in it's also in my clinic, we have um, six physician partners, um, and we also have a PE firm that's an investor here. And that change happened from a pure private practice to an investor-led practice at the end of 2019, uh, a month before the pandemic. Yeah. So um, managing multiple stakeholders is is can be challenging, and I use those that language advisedly because even though um, it has changed its infrastructure, the physicians are incredibly important to how a clinic is run. And so my true north is probably that collaboration style that it talked about that got me into trouble in the past, but is also really, really helped me in many, many circumstances to be what I think is an appropriate leader. And it's about making sure that everybody that's at the table understands what the situations are um, and has a voice in creating that path forward at whatever level they are in the organization. If, if, if your colleagues, your staff, your employees, your senior leaders have a stake in a project, then make sure that everyone understands what their stake is and what the bigger stakes are of the project and engage them as you can appropriately in the path forward. And that has always served me well, and it serves me well here, because that way the physicians are always engaged, the clinical staff are always engaged, the um, physician and ownership of um, the company is involved. And then I can also engage with the um, PE firm or with the um, the line management that comes up to, there's a, there's a holding company that um, we feed into. And there's lots of us across the country that are in women's health. It's making sure that all the stakeholders understand what the situ situation is and engaging them at the right time 
time and being clear about what you need from them in that engagement. So the collaborative approach, I think, helps everybody have a voice at the table. And then, you know, part of my role is to be able to summarize all those disparate um, points of view to be able to help everyone understand what might or might not work and what the consensus is to make sure that even if somebody has a disparate point of view, they can be brought on board with the consensus because it makes sense. Well, it's also, it's just so interesting to hear how just, you know, your background um, and, you know, how the learnings from just the various experiences that you've had, how that is serving you well in what is a complex environment. Maybe one more question, Michaela, about the this particular space. If you can just like look into the crystal ball, there's so much activity here. What is sort of like the breakthrough innovations that you're excited about beyond the reward of health helping so many um, with fertility? What, what are some of the breakthroughs that you're looking forward to? I think it's less about um, the looking forward, but some of the breakthroughs that have happened in the more recent past that may not be used as much as they could be used. So for example, um, genetic testing. The, my clinic leans on that very, very heavily, but it is still an emerging um, science and it's got better and better and better. So genetic testing of making sure that you are testing for the best embryos to be implanted really, really elevates, can all, can double the success rate of uh, an IVF cycle um, when you genetically test the embryos versus don't test them. So that's very, very exciting. I think the advancements in um, frozen technology of being able to, you know, do use different um, freeze techniques um, today versus just 10 years ago is helping um, materials be stored for even longer and even safer because you have to defrost them at some point in order to implant them. I think the advancements in the art reproductive technologies, the lab that actually does the fertilization is is really incredible um and um that's where the magic all happens um uh, to make sure that those embryos are, are the eggs are stored safely that they're fertilized safely that they're then stored safely so that they can be re-implanted into a person's womb and uh, be able to grow to give birth to a child well, that is a lot of innovation and um, different aspects of medicine. So thank you for sharing that. Michaela. as we close out on this Inspiring Women conversation, as you think about just your own professional journey and um, success as a CEO, what it might be some last closing words of wisdom that you might share with the audience we have? You know, one of the things about my journey um, that I think is beneficial for where I am today is a willingness to learn. So I've done many different categories, many different businesses, whether it's B2C, B2B, B2Professional, um, wholesale type businesses. The fundamentals of business don't really change that much, but the willingness to learn and to really immerse yourself in your category so that you can understand the nuances really make, make the difference in helping you be able to come up with strategic solutions that are truly fit the category or the business group that you're in. So that willingness to learn is really important. I think having a fundamental belief in yourself is important because when you believe in yourself, I think you're willing to step back and listen to others. 
I don't ever think that I'm the smartest person at the table. Um, being in multiple different categories gives me, you know, in, probably an inch worth of um, knowledge in the category that I'm in, um, but a mile's worth of um, experience of listening and understanding others. And, you know, I've really, really focused on trying to bring the best out in others. I just know that there's going to be somebody that's in my organization or in the room that I'm in the room of at that moment that knows more than I, and that will be able to help us solve that problem. So if I can articulate that problem in a real clear way to help others bring their best self to the um, table um, as an organization or as a group or as even a problem that you're trying to solve, you'll get to a better solution. So if you're comfortable with yourself of what you bring to that organization, you can bring the best out in others. I think that's really important. And I think knowing what you want to achieve in the next five plus years helps you frame your um, own career journey. So it becomes about what do I have to learn and what do I have to gain in order to achieve my goal that I'm looking at for the next five or 10 years versus, you know, that hurry up and what will I get in the next 12 months. Um, so having a longer term perspective of what the benefit is to you and your organization, I think helps you become more valuable to others. Well, that is um, that is just a, a a lot of fantastic advice, and I really appreciate the guidance. Um, it's just been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Michaela Griggs, and Michaela, thank you so much. My pleasure. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.